Hello, everybody, and we are back. The last episode of this week. Thank you for joining us. This is the Daily Thread. Okay, so Thursday, January 26th. Welcome back. It's good to be back. You know, it's a tariff shop, it's practic- practically. Practically. It's a tariff shop because this is the last, this last episode of, of the week. Yeah. Of the weekend. You know, we have a, I have a nephew in Eric's Stroll, and I. Was once there a few years ago, and I wanted to meet him on a Thursday. I said, "Can we meet Thursday? Thursday is Erev Shabbos. How can I meet you?" Yeah, so <laughs> I couldn't meet him. Well, here we uh, are. It is Erev Shabbos for us. Yeah, it's Erev Shabbos in a way. In a way, looking forward. Um, but we have a we have a, a jam packed episode. Well, Let's speak to um, something that we reported yesterday, which we didn't really have so much clarity on, but now we have more clarity, so we'll speak to it. Um, and I've gotten a lot of messages about it overnight, and now Yeshiva World actually uplo- up, updated their article mere minutes ago. Uh, this is about the for man who was arrested the other day for alleged reported abduction uh, from a in Flatbush. So yeah, this yeah. man was released. He was released, and all all charges were dropped. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people are messaging me that they know this man. He's a upstanding man. He would never do such a thing. So uh, it says here in this article, a highly credible source tells Yeshiva World that the man says he had been learning in the shul's base madrash. Uh, for over an hour, and when he was done, he attempted to leave, but the, found the lobby was filled with women. As per Alacha, he didn't want to walk through a crowd of women, so he asked a young boy to hold his hand so he can get get through without being makele. Security footage reviewed by Yeshiva World confirms the man's version of the events that transpired. The mother, seeing her child apparently being led away with a stranger, stopped him and asked who the man was, to which the child replied that he had no idea. <laughs> Understandably, the mother grew very concerned and immediately called Flappa Shomrim, who appropriately took the incident very seriously. Um, you know, the Yeshiva World's you know, saving face here. They're saying they published a story without identifying any of the details of the man. Um, and then the, the NYPD put out a bulletin that this man was wanted for... Wanted for uh, kidnapping. Aye, aye. Yeah, the family did not press charges. Most of the charges against the man have been dropped. Both the boy and the family are relieved. Most, most of the charges? Most of the charges against the man have been dropped. I don't know what that, that means. Um, the mother the mother and the child were crying when Shulman arrived. And uh, it became a very hysterical situation. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> it, it might be a, a colossal misunderstanding. You it know, sounds like it is. It sounds like it and, is. Uh, but I, can I can I can I say that? I don't know. Climb out a window. We jumped, we jumped to negative conclusions. No, I'm no. I'm, I, I want to say about like. If first of all, I'm very glad. You know, I I'm very glad this guy was absolved of any crime here. Nothing happened. Right. right. Me too. But like, yes. if you find yourself in that position. I think it's like jump out a window in the shul to the ground before, not like a high window, but jump out of like a, a short, like before taking a kid's hand and walking through a hallway. You don't want to be caught in that situation. As a parent, if I, if, if you were to see, I mean, if any parent were to see their child holding the someone else's man hand and you yeah. ask them who it was and they say they don't know, yeah. I would be very alarmed. So yeah. this is a misunderstanding. I think there's no fault in both parties here. Both I mean, like on both sides. I understand who's trying to, Abide by halacha, <laughs> uh, and I and I I think that's commendable. But um, you don't you don't take a kid's hand. Maybe he should have asked Shiloh before he did that. Probably. Maybe the guy would tell him just just sit down for a few minutes. There. Just maybe wait. Be, no one's staying in the hallway all day long. <laughs> the women aren't staying in the hallway. It was a brisk something. It was a brisk going on. Or yeah, something. or like or like it was early in the morning. Right? Maybe there's a fire exit. I don't know. Yeah. 
He should have gone out the fire exit. You think? If he was, if it's between go, if it's between taking the hand of a young child or going out a fire exit, he should have pulled. He could have, he could have pulled the fire alarm, and the fireman would have taken him out. And it probably would have been right bed <laughs> on a stretcher. It probably wouldn't a better idea than <laughs> you could carry him over everybody's head. <laughs> Maybe he should have called you and asked you what to do. <laughs> he should have called me. I'm not that busy. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Um, the next story we have, which is which is ironic that this comes just a few days after yeah. a uh, a chassid on a Delta flight was was thrown off the plane. Right. Uh, a JetBlue flight was an hour into its trip uh, to LaGuardia Airport. Um, they were going to Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale from LaGuardia. They're going from they're going to LaGuardia from Fort Lauderdale. They're an hour into their trip when a woman had passed out in the aisle of mm-hmm. the plane. The pilots were about to go ahead and make an emergency landing to get help right. when someone stepped forward and his name right. is Naftali. Naftali. Uh, He's originally from Williamsburg. Um, he was a member of Hatsali. He moved to Muncie about five years ago. Uh, he has he owns an insurance agency, I was told. He's also a member of Hatsali in South Florida. Yeah, and he also um, has a home in Hollywood, Florida. And he was going back to his uh, winter home in Florida. And uh, this woman passed out. Instead of making an emergency landing, they have oxygen on the planes routinely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was able to do whatever had to be done. And he to stabilized. Her, and he stabilized. Stabilized her. her so the pilot didn't have to have make an emergency landing, number one. Number two, when they landed at Fort Lauderdale, there was an ambulance waiting. They took her to the hospital. And I understand uh, uh, she's fine. But uh, I saw the story at 5.30 this morning. And like you said, it's a, obviously it's a classical Kiddush Hashem. Uh, but it comes right uh, on the other side of that uh, crazy story of a couple of days ago where a Delta Airline flight attendant uh, escorted a Hasidic guy off the flight because he was taking up too much room. So I was thinking to myself before the sun came up this morning, uh, people are looking at this story about the guy administering uh, whatever CPR or first aid or whatever yeah. whatever was needed in order to bring the woman back, so to speak. How much luggage does this guy have on the overhead bin? On the flight, does he have right? Well, it there? could have been him. What? What if they threw him off the flight? Imagine they threw him off the flight. They wouldn't have been there to save this woman's life. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, there's a hashkacha protest uh, message uh, in all this uh, too. Of course, I'm not saying that you shouldn't remove any chassidim off the flight because maybe they're in Hasala. But no, but this guy Naftali, uh, I uh, didn't speak to him, but I spoke to some people at what they call HSF. You know what HSF is? Hasala, South Florida. Yeah. And he's a member of Hatsala in South Florida, and he's a member of Hatsala in Muncie. And um, he um, he jumped, uh, did his... Did yeah, you his, know what? This, he, the, he did a great thing. This uh, comes down to, you know, this this uh, this whole movement that Aguda is putting together. It's know us. And I think that you need to know us. So if you're part of Delta or you're, or you're some Joe Schmo in the street, whoever you are, before you pass judgment on us, just know us. Know, he, he know what we do. Next, uh, he could be on the next billboard. He could be. We should. Maybe he should. Uh, here's another story um, that <laughs> we can spend a lot of time talking about this. So how about we go with your story first, coming out of Florida again, out of Aventura? Oh, yeah. So I got uh, also from another source in South Florida. Um, there's, a, um, uh, there's a Yeshul in Aventura. What's the name of the shul? Do you have the name of the shul? Something Ezra? The Tiv Ezra? Ah, the Tiv Ezra. The Tiv Ezra. Uh, they they found the, uh, an Arab. Uh, uh, you have his driver's license. I don't know if you're going to show it or not, but they, he has an Arab name, and uh, they found the guy in the shul last night um, at a shear. Yeah, he was uh, chuckling. He was. He's, he's, he's wearing a yarmulke. He's uh, sitting at a table with about fifteen other people, 
You have a video of that, if you're showing that. And his, his, he's circled so you can see where he is. Yeah. And he is, um, and, and the other people at the table, the people that I spoke to down in Florida said that he, no, one, no one recognized him. And they have a security team, and they call the guys that weren't there in the shul from the security team to come take a look and we'll see what they think about this guy. It turns out after speaking to him, they realize that he's not Jewish. He's a mm -hmm. Muslim, and he had a, a big knife on him too. And then they found out when the police came, they found they interrogated him a little bit. They found out he's been visiting different shuls in the whole South Florida area. And um, I guess he was up to no good, but uh, the people... Is he, did he come, meaning does he usually carry around? Is the knife like an indication that he planned yeah. on doing something wrong? There's a picture of the knife. It's a, it's a nice looking big knife. It's not a challah knife. Do you walk around with a knife? I don't. I, I, don't. With a knife. I don't even have a nail clipper. <laughs> I, don't, I don't walk around with a knife, but uh, I don't think you walk around with a knife. But uh, this was a, a really a real professional looking knife. Anyway... You could you have to draw the conclusions that he was in a shul and he's a Muslim and he's wearing a yarmulke and you can see in the video he's listening to the shear and he's shaking, he's shuckling. That's the question though, like they, the shul had security? Uh, they didn't have security that night, but they had security guys that could, so I mean they, that they called that came down and after speaking to the guy for a minute or two, they realized that he so, wasn't what he was trying. He was representing himself as being a, a Jew. Sephardic Jew, yeah. The shul. yeah. Listen, Baruch Hashem, you know, nothing ended up happening. Um, but like, you know, when if you've ever been in Bell Harbor, if you, first of all, you have to go through, you have to, they open your bags and they look at... That's in, that's in one shul. I, don't know I, know, that, that's, I don't know about the other shuls. In the shul, in the Chabad of Bell Harbor. And the young Israel and like, around the corner. The security is very is very thorough there. And, and like, I don't know, maybe shuls need a Listen, I, in, you're saying in, this is a small shul, so why would it have in, such? In, in Boynton Beach, we had this conversation yesterday about security. In Boynton Beach, there's police presence, there's, there's private security 24 hours a day in front of the shul. And you know what? A lot of shuls around here, private security is not enough because security guys don't necessarily recognize uh, the guy, people that are coming to shul. You have to have people from the community, from the shuls out there, to, they could, could recognize that someone doesn't belong. You could tell. If you're right. a member of a shul and you're there daily. Yeah. By the way, not even that shul and not even Rabbi, Rabbi Lipsker's shul in Bell Harbor, but also the Young Israel uh, of Bell Harbor, which is, you know, yeah. co blocks away, also has uh, security with like machine guns standing outside. But you but you also, you also need, we have the same thing on Boynton Beach, but you have to have people there that recognize the people, especially in a tourist area. The shul in Bell Harbor, the Young Israel, I bet you it's 50% of the people are just there for a week or two. Passing or three, through, yeah. You know? And um, a lot of us look the same, you know? I mean, not me and you, but a lot of people look yeah. the same. And uh, you have to have someone there that can recognize, because when you, if, you, if you're a Muslim and you're wearing a yarmulke, uh, you could... You, you look smarty. You, you could be spotted, but you could be spotted if something's up. Maybe. So when I'm in Israel and I get into a taxi in Israel... Without looking at the names, I can tell who's uh, an Arab cab driver and who's an Israeli cab driver. Oh, couldn't, oh, oh really? Yes. Is, I that like, tell. Is, is that like you're, you should be part of Shin Bet, maybe? <laughs> I can even tell, you know, sometimes I can even tell who's uh, an ancestor from somebody from the time that You know, British, maybe you're part of the Mossad without us sometimes knowing. Sometimes when the British occupied the Palestine before the state, you can yeah. tell who comes from those families, too. No way. Usually, you get it. You see an Arab with red hair or blonde hair. I, it's very rare. I've been thinking about that lately. Like, what was the, what were the British doing 
in in Israel? Like, well, they're doing in Israel. These were small developing countries, and with the big powers were were, were the one were the were the dominant forces in the world. Ah, whatever. Let's, you know, uh, do you know that Florida was once uh, owned by uh, by Spain? You know, I think Louisiana, you know, in Louisiana, in New Orleans, uh, one of the main languages is French. You know why? Because France, before the United States was founded in 1776, it was part of France. Is that why they have, uh, is that why they have a the city called Baton Rouge? That's right. It's French. Because if, if it's American, it'd be Baton Rogue. That's right. Baton Rouge. <laughs> Anyways, more of a local story that, not a story, it's an email that was sent out to a, to a local to a local uh, school and credit Dave for sending us this email. Dear parents, to those 24 families who decided that school rules don't matter, it's very disappointing to say the least and at the very best, very, very wrong. A number of parents reached out to me to explain that the particular situation, I understand every one of them and they made sense. For those of you who decide decided yourself when your daughter's vacation starts, you taught them how to disregard rules, not just school rules, but in my opinion, this is the wrong lesson for life. Tickets are cheaper, so for money. Rules don't matter. Mm-hmm. Grandparents are paying great. Explain when the vacation is, and I'm sure no grandparent would have a problem. If it meant something to you, the parents, or if you can't afford it, be brave and don't go. Bottom line is, if you, the parents, aren't str- aren't straight with regard to school rules, what do you want from us? What are your ch- and when your tr- children aren't? Well, give me a little background. What is this about? This is about 24 parents that left vacation, left school early with their kids to go on vacation for Yeshiva Week. Yeah, a school okay. in New York. Okay. And um, this is the the email from the principal from the Manal sent out to the parent body. Yeah. Basically, yeah. and he, re- he hands off the email saying, please take these words to heart and plan accordingly in the future. I mean it sincerely for the sake of your children. We are here to be Mechanach, your precious Kindleloch, and this just makes our job more difficult for no reason. Looking forward to greeting them on Wednesday, February 1st. So. Parents who who leave school early to go on yeshiva week, or no yeshiva, no week. yeshiva week. That's more aptly named. Yeah, if you read this week's Five Towns Jewish Times. Yeah, plug. Yes, yeshiva week coming and going. It's called. Um, that's uh, what do you think about that? I think that people, uh, you know, I told you a story. I, you know, I did tell you a story about. Chaim Weitzman and Harry Truman. When Chaim Weitzman, when Harry Truman said to Chaim Weitzman, who was the first president of Israel, you know, I'm the president of 200 million people, and Chaim Weitzman said, well, I'm the president of two million presidents. Everybody thinks they're a president, you know. Okay. Everybody knows that they have a special. I don't know what school this is. I don't know what part of New York it was in. Everybody thinks that yeah, people shouldn't leave early and people shouldn't come back late. That's everybody else. Me, it's okay because I have this situation or this circumstance. Yeah, the coffee's kicking in. I think I have this situation, this circumstance. So my situation is different. And you okay. know, I shared with you my personal uh, uh, story of about 30 uh, years ago, 35 years ago. We came back from Israel. We came back from Israel from my father's first year outside. A day or two late, and they suspended a eight-year-old and a five-year-old. You know, well, that's that's coming back. Suspended them. I've yeah. got to take them back to school. <laughs> anyway, well, we, so what, what's 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 the question? So yeah, Le- parents. I, I I personally think probably the parents are in the oh, wrong. So I wanted to say, I wanted like to you say can't not follow the rules. No, I want I wanted to say the following. So I know people. I know people. Just the second half of Yeshiva week starts tonight. Okay. I don't even know how this works. This is like a math uh, the equation. The more modern schools had last week, the more non-modern schools, I don't know how to classify this weekend. them, starts this weekend. No, it goes through next week. Really? It goes through most of next week. I think through Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I think they come back to school on Wednesday. I know guys that are going to Mexico and Orlando, okay? And they said that if their kids were on door, they wouldn't go. They don't want to go. 
They don't want oh, to go. Oh, poor them. What? <laughs> I feel so bad for them oh, they, sitting they, by they, the beach. I, I know one guy but in particular is going to Florida. And he doesn't. He he says he he has no shackles to go. What is a pressure? There's peer pressure. Yeah, he has he has eight year old, ten year old, twelve year old. What's he gonna do with his kids? Uh, go to Manhattan. Go go to go to like I don't know. Why do you have to go to Mexico or go to Mexico? But like you don't have to poor poor like. Someone said this morning. Someone said to me downstairs in the office this morning. Oh, this year. They saying the 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 the, uh, the impression has been created that only poor kids go to Florida, the rich the rich kids are going to Mexico and Panama and California and Turks and Caicos. That's obviously that's obviously a joke. No, no, the yeah. the the impression has been the, the impression has been created that the 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 lower level that's, that's, kids. First of all, that's offensive and it's a, and it's a joke. You cutting that out? No, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying <laughs> that you, it's. You know, I'm not going to use my energy if you're cutting stuff out. <laughs> you know, I'll leave my use my energy for the stuff you're leaving in. You don't think that's offensive? <laughs> no, I understand what they're saying. It's but you wrong. understand? But is it offensive? It's absolutely wrong. Florida is beautiful, and the weather's warm all over down. If there. you want to know what people who don't have the finances are doing, uh, they're probably. Hoping they can make Shabbos this week. They're not going to Florida. Okay. Like that's a, it's a ridiculous, it's a joke. It's not, it's not a, meaning I don't think it's, I don't think you should, anyone should be making light of people who, who aren't financially able because. Well, the fact of the matter is, we I think it's, this. I think it's like silly to say that, oh, the poor people are going to Florida because well, going to Florida I, costs a lot of money also. Of course it does. But you know, you know what I, you know what I mean? When you stack it up, when you contrast it with Panama, which became a hot place to go. Someone told me there's 50 kosher restaurants in Panama. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Panama is a lot of, a lot of Sephardim live in Panama. Yeah. They have businesses in Panama. And I heard years ago from someone that knows Panamanian Jews that they, 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 they have, they go to work by, by helicopter. They have, you have a car in your driveway. These people have uh, helicopters in their driveway. But the commute is far? They have to go, they have to go over a body of water. Really? So instead of going with a boat, which is very slow, and with the roadways go all the way around, the helicopter to work. If they're still going to work, I don't know what they're going to work for. But uh, you're saying if you if you have to if you have to get a helicopter to work, you probably should just not go to work. You don't have to go to work. <laughs> you know, you, you know, if you have a helicopter, unless someone's someone's driving the helicopter for you. Yeah, I don't you think it's a personal helicopter. That traffic must be crazy there in the sky of Panama. <laughs> Bumper to bump a helicopter. Maybe we'll send you on a special. A helicopter can report. be stationary in the sky, unlike an airplane. <laughs> a helicopter can stay in one place. So if there is rush hour traffic in helicopters, it is. If there ever possible. was, a, if there ever was a tangent, everyone, this this is the tangent of the century. The tangent <laughs> well, of the century. So, well, you so you want to know what's the question is about leaving early? You know what? I, I told you a story about the guy that doesn't want to go to Orlando. And doesn't want to go to California, but he doesn't know what to do with his kids. He feels that he was cornered into the situation by the school. And vacation is Yuntif is vacation, Sukkot is vacation, Pesach is vacation. Okay, Purim is vacation, Hanukkah is vacation, summertime is eight to ten weeks of vacation. What happened all of a sudden in the middle of the winter? Uh, there's a twelve day vacation all of a sudden, and people don't know what to do. And why isn't it over Hanukkah? I feel like Hanukkah would be a good time. We just had, especially Hanukkah. this year. They were just off Hanukkah. When was Hanukkah? A month ago. Uh, again, I don't. I don't. I didn't. When I was growing up in school, I didn't have this. I, I had maybe a Thursday. Well, that's to, the old. When you were in school, it was the olden days. I had Thursday to a Monday off, like, and that's sort of like a weekend. Oh, I, it's so, important for so, for people being able to like reboot and recharge their batteries, but like. Like the, to the, pick up and go to Israel in the middle of the school year and but go the, to the more the more I don't want to say the more right wing yeshivas. 
Yeah. It never had an intercession. No. They, they resisted it for many, many years. What they When they finally made a concession, the concession was to be off Friday and Sunday. So they got out of school Thursday. They were off Friday. Off Shabbos, of course. So how come it's off got- Sunday. So how come- they had, they had, Because they had to give in. A, a guy has four girls and four boys, and the girls' school's off. What are you going to do with the girls? Keep the girls home because the boys are not off? Families didn't know what to do. It was a dilemma. And finally, those schools gave in. And they try to alter it and uh, repackage it and give it a different name, you know, <laughs> give it a different name. Don't call it winter break. Don't call it uh, intercession. You know, like call when, it yeshiva week. Like when, and it's like you have more yeshiva during yeshiva week than when you're in yeshiva. It's like when it's like Martin Luther King. <laughs> it's like when it's Martin Luther King's uh, birthday, birthday yeah. and on the calendar it says it's a teacher conference. Yeah. So it's early dismissal. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, Are you sure? Or there's just no busing today? And They don't do it on, on only on MLK. Martin Luther King is a federal holiday, but they do it on, I don't know, Columbus Day, yeah. Veterans Day. Yeah, yeah, President's Week coming up in a couple of weeks. Off day? A whole week. Public school is going to be off the entire President's Week. Really? The time between- All uh, I know about President's Day, you know President's, President's Week. You know which presidents we celebrate their birthdays in February? I don't. Um, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. Abraham Lincoln's birthday was February 12th. And uh, Abraham, and George Washington's birthday is February 22nd, I believe. And those were holidays. Those were holidays. No mail, the post office is closed, the bank is closed. And then they made President's Week. Uh, I don't know. They changed it. They moved the dates around a little bit. Maybe we should celebrate all presidents' birthdays. They made it like a nitcha, you know? What, you should make a gold president? <laughs> you want to get off on Barack Obama's How many birthday? presidents are there? 50, 49, uh, I think 45? 46. 46? Uh, Trump was 45. Biden is 46. Well, um, well, Trump is 45, 47, and 44, 44, according to him. No, he's like... Well, you think Trump thinks he's still president? Yeah, well... Oh, talk about going off on tangents. <laughs> anyways, okay, so yeah, imagine 46 additional off days. Uh, every president, you should be off. I mean, why Why do we just keep the Abe Lincoln and George well, why, Washington? Why don't they just... Since why they, are they special? Since they move holidays around anyway, why don't they just take all the presidents and celebrate their birthdays during Yeshiva Week? Great idea. <laughs> They're off anyway. You know, maybe Columbus also we could make that make make Columbus Day also put that in there. Right, on a more serious topic. Okay. Tomorrow is Holocaust Remembrance Day, January twenty yes. seventh. Where are we up to, by the way? How much time? Thirty. Up to? You're up to thirty. Right, we'll go a little bit further. I'll let you go a little bit further today. Okay. Okay. Tomorrow uh, is January twenty seventh. Yeah, I, I just want to say t- t- tomorrow is January seventh, Holocaust Remembrance Day, and right. a meaningful minute. One of our incredible uh, staff members, employees, Naomi Garfinkel, she recorded an incredible vlog which could be found on the Meaningful Minute YouTube channel. Uh, she interviewed Lily Ebert, who's a Holocaust survivor. She wrote a book, Lily's Promise, which is a New York Times, New York Times bestseller. And that's available on our, our YouTube channel. So go ahead and check that out. Um, but yeah, this is it's, it's a big day. Uh, it's established, uh, I was reading this morning, established as Holocaust Remembrance Day by the United Nations. Um, I guess which is, they are, they're encouraging their member states to observe it. There uh, happens to be a, a um, Holocaust Remembrance uh event to today in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. That's nice. So, you know, you, you reach a certain madrega, you know, Baruch Hashem, when you have Arab countries, I believe, recognizing uh, a historical day uh, on the Jewish calendar, like uh, Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day. But, um, you know, it, it, it's we, we, we tend to minimize uh, the impact of, that the Holocaust had on our lives here in uh, 2023, you know? Yeah. Your uh, your 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 grandparents, were Holocaust survivors. They were sole survivors. Uh, your grandmother, uh, she should live and be well in Borough Park. 
um, uh, you know, she was left as an orphan at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no parents, uh, um, never had any relatives. And, and your mother came to this country, uh, you know, you not came to this country. Your mother was born in this country. But when her parents came to this country and they had children, their children never had cousins, never had grandparents, yeah. never had aunts and uncles. You know, your mother, Ima, she, until we got married, she didn't know what it meant to have a grandfather or a grandmother. She didn't know what it meant to have cousins, aunts and uncles all over the place. But because my grandparents came to this country 10 years before her parents came uh, to this country, it altered the entire history. And uh, I think that trickles down through the generations and people are now doing studies about um, how it impacts on subsequent generations, third generation, fourth generation. Of course, to say the experience of the Holocaust which is unfathomable. Uh, by the way, the reason they, they marked January 27th as Holocaust Remembrance Day was that's the day that Auschwitz was liberated mm-hmm. by uh, U.S. And, and Russian troops, uh, I believe. Now, I was in Poland five years ago. You know, I walked, I walked in Auschwitz. It was, a, it was July. It was warm outside. The grass was green. The, tr- the wind was blowing in the trees. It was like any other countryside. But it was it was it was the killing grounds of, of Auschwitz. You they say in. that there's like a there's always a cloud over Auschwitz, even now. Like it's we, just like a, a we, haze. We walked inside. I I stood in a room that people told that they were taking showers, but they were being gassed and killed. And in a room next to it, there was ovens where they were cremated, and went up in ashes. Millions of people. Millions of people. Can you imagine? And the world stood idly by. Can you imagine there are people that say it didn't even happen? Uh, it's a, it's it's staggering. It's staggering, and, and that's why it's important, I think, to uh, mark. Uh, uh, I mean, you see the videos. Like you that. see the videos every now and then of someone in the city going up to, you know, a teenager and saying, "You know, do you know what the Holocaust was?" And them saying, "Is that is that a type of chocolate?" Like they don't they don't even know. They don't even know. Well, it goes back to our, one of our original conversations on this podcast about you know teenagers that draw swastikas on. A subway platform. Yeah, you know, they don't know. They, they don't. don't they, they don't know what to do. But they need to know. Yeah, of course the, uh, they need to know. But you have to also. I think everybody has to take stock and think about their their personal experience and how it impacted on their lives. So I think even 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 um, it starts. Uh, it always starts with you. Whoever's listening, it starts with you. So yeah, you may know the Holocaust happened, but dig deeper, learn more about it. So it, you know, I was in the post office this morning. And I after walking, I met I saw a guy I haven't seen in a long time. Happens to be a Holocaust survivor. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's eighty seven years old, he told me. And he was eight years old. He was in Birken Belson for two years in a concentration camp. But of course he was such a young kid they let him stay with his mother and his grandmother. And uh, he made it to America after the uh, uh after the war was over. It was just a crazy you like to say a random guy. Random. It was a random encounter, it was a, a random uh a random meeting. Uh on, on my side, of, my my uh, father's side of the family, they came from uh, Belarus, and uh, they decided to get out of Eastern Europe. They came here in 1932, 1932 to 1934. What was going on in America during these years that people were so, I don't want to say oblivious to what was going on in, in Europe, but like nothing, they couldn't do anything? Well, I, first of all, there's, there's a lot of theories about it, you know. A lot of theories about Roosevelt. This book's been written about um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt that he knew about uh, the killing. He didn't bomb the tracks. Killing grounds. He could have could have bombed. He was begged. They begged him to bomb the railroad tracks into Auschwitz. That would have stopped the steady flow of traffic of people into into the death camps. 
uh, for some reason. Just uh, David Wyman wrote a book, America and the Holocaust. I uh, mean, uh, President Roosevelt. I don't know. I don't know what his uh, his legacy is remembered for. But it should be very, very tarnished for what went, what went on under well, his watch. Know, yeah, but he also, but, but believe it, if you, if you ask elderly Jews, not today necessarily, because they don't remember the different elderly population today. My grandparents, yeah. my mother's parents, had a picture of FDR in their house. You know yeah, but why? you know, I, I interviewed. You know why? Because he created Social Security. They had a monthly income because right. of FDR. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I interviewed a Holocaust survivor, and he he said, when he said Roosevelt's name, he said, Yamach Shemo. And uh, he's someone that was was in the camps, and he was in Auschwitz, and and they have a lot of a lot of resentment towards him because he could have done something and he didn't. One more thing, your grandfather, um, your grand your great grandfather, the Ochran Gordon, he came to this country in 1932 because he had three brothers that came to America from the same town in Belarus in the 1920s, but he finally decided to get out in 1932. But his wife and kids stayed behind till he established himself in the new world. And then in 1934, she didn't want to come to America. She didn't want to come to America. You know why she didn't want to come to America with the kids? She was afraid the kids weren't going to remain from in America. Right. It wouldn't be Shomrei Torah Mitzvahs. So she went to the Friedrich Lubavitcher Rebbe, and she said uh, that she's concerned about this. So you see, the situation was deteriorating in, in these Eastern European countries, but because of uh, the, 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 the interest in maintaining a from lifestyle, and a firm way of life was more important than saving your own lives conce conceivably, right. if you could say that. Anyway, she went to the Friedrich Rebbe, and, and she say, he said that he's going to give her a bracha that the kids will remain Shomri Torah and Mistress. And she said to the Rebbe at the time, which is a great family story that's told many places, she said that no, a bracha is not good enough. She wants enough tacha. She wants a guarantee from the Rebbe. And he said he gives her a, a guarantee. So the point is that Holocaust remembrance, whether it's in Abu Dhabi or the United Nations or your own Dalaramas, your own personal family, it's a time to reflect on the, on the experience. Absolutely. And that is our episode for today. Uh, that is our week. So if you missed an episode this week, you can go ahead and listen to it and hear all of what happened this week. A lot happened this week. And uh, we hope to share more good news next week, starting Monday. We will see you then. This is The Daily Thread. Have a great job.